I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. My guest is Kiki Letalian, a creative technologist at Amplified Growth, a digital marketing consultancy. She's also a professional speaker and leader of Association Chat, an online community and weekly live stream podcast, which is celebrating its 10th anniversary. Congratulations on that, Kiki. And welcome. Happy to have you here today. Your specialty is what you call trust, tribes and trust, or building community. And we hear the word community a lot in the association space. From your perspective, what does that mean? A community, and first of all, thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here talking with you, superhero that you are. Uh, I know, I know. Um, so I, when I think about community, I think about it as being three people or more who are coming together for something, right? They're coming together over a shared experience, over a shared purpose. Um, maybe it's to share resources. Um, but what makes a community and what makes a successful community are, that's a very different answer, right? That's a, that's a different question, different answer. And so that's kind of been my focus is, is looking at uh, what makes a successful community and what makes one fail, you know, and a lot of times what it really comes down to is making sure that um, this community has five elements, the most important element being trust. And trust isn't something that you can just manufacture when you need it. Trust is something that has to be earned and mm -hmm. lost very quickly. So right. what do you see about associations that have built trust? in their communities? What's true about them? What's true about them is there is an openness to communication. We hear the word transparency and authenticity. We also hear authenticity thrown around a lot. Um, but what that means is that there's, there's an alignment between what their values are, what their stated values are, and the actions that they take, right? And when that alignment is there, things are good. People feel they can trust in what the organization is doing and the communication that they're receiving. And when something is out of step, something's out of sync, that trust begins to sort of break away. And people say, I, I don't know that I necessarily see how this is in alignment with that value that you say you're all about. And that's, that's when there begins to be a little bit of a disintegration there. And some organizations have a lot of disintegration there. And what I, what I think is important for people to know, especially in, you know, the association industry is that just because .org is in your email title or your URL does not mean you have their trust. They might have been a member for 50 years, but that doesn't mean that you have their trust. Trust is not something you win once and you have it. Trust is something that you cultivate and you take care of over time. You have to always be working on developing that. And that is why it is not the easy answer because uh, you don't buy the piece of software and it solves the problem. You know, you, it's a relationship that you're constantly earning. You're constantly working on this, this part. And so it's a little tougher, right? 
<laughs> members can't always put their finger on it. So if as trust starts to erode, as a member, I might not be able to point to a specific incident or a specific decision and say, that's when my trust started to erode. Oh my gosh, it's so true. This is so true. So you're ne- like, how many times have you gone to someone and said, you know what, the reason I stopped showing up in your group is because I don't feel I can trust you. That doesn't happen. It just doesn't. The reason you don't see that is because that's not, they wouldn't even necessarily word it that way. But you know, you know what does happen? What does happen is you notice that the organizer's communications are focused on, on sales and yet they're not coming right out and communicating directly about what they're trying to accomplish. Or uh, you notice that some stuff is going on that seems unethical and no one's talking about it in the open and any attempts seem to be rebuffed and you just, you leave, you just choose, you choose something where it's like, well, maybe I hope they'll solve it, but I've got other things to do. Right. And, and so you don't say that nobody says, I don't trust you anymore, but what it looks like is it looks like people leaving. It looks like people saying they don't feel engaged. It looks like people who uh, won't share when it comes time to talk about good ideas or innovation or, you know, um, I worked with a trade association one time where they had a problem where their members wouldn't, wouldn't share uh, innovations that they were making in manufacturing, right? And they had, they were competing against each other. So they were afraid that others would learn. However, it was holding the entire industry back. And as a result of the organization, the association not realizing that this was an issue that they needed to figure out some kind of solution for, as a result, those key members who had and the top ranks of their volunteers, okay, very active, had been there for a long time, they were, they were saying things like, I don't know that I see the benefit, right? The value proposition wasn't there because why? Because they weren't, of course, they were innovating. They weren't learning anything from anyone else because everybody was holding it close because they didn't trust. They didn't trust that there would be anything shared. And while the answer may not be to give trade secrets, um, certainly, certainly, especially with uh, technology moving in the right direction, there has to be some way that you're moving the ball forward, you know, that you're moving things down the field. So, And members uh, don't. It would be nice if members would announce, I'm leaving and this is why. <laughs> But that doesn't happen. And so, no. you know, I, I think we need to, you know, ghosting happens on social media, but ghosting happens to our associations too. Yes. We just disengage, wander away, or don't renew. And then one day we wake up and we realize that the community is different uh, than right. it once was. And you mentioned there's five characteristics of healthy communities. So quickly, what are the other four? Okay, so the first one is uh, having the right people, knowing that, and a lot of associations think that they have this right, 
But, um, you know, I, I interviewed someone who uh, her name is Radha Agarwal, and she put together these daybreaker events. And they're just let me tell you about this. They are these events that are completely sober that happen at 7 a.m. in the morning and they get people of all ages to wake up, go put on like costumes like they're going to a rave and show up to dance at a big dance party during the week before the workday starts. And this isn't just in like New York. This is this is spread from city to city. D.C. has one. There's one in Denver. They're all over the globe now. And do you know, uh, when I interviewed her, she said that she and her co-founder spent two days, two days trying to figure out the right 300 people to invite to the first one. Two days. And how much time do we take when we're thinking, we worry about, we're like, well, that doesn't scale. Okay, but what about maybe your annual meeting brings in how much of your revenue? How much time do you take to think about, this is our plan, our strategy, our communication for this segment of our, of our attendees? Do you take two hours? I mean, like, you know, they took two days for 300 people. And the result is uh, a movement that's spreading around the world. Right. So uh, without alcohol, <laughs> you know, and so um, I, I just think that starting with people is always important. It's it's kind of a thing where in marketing or communications, when you say that people kind of throw it away. I know my audience, but things change, you but know, you and start with the who first. If you start with the who first, the yeah, and the why will emerge. And so often we start with the what or the why. And so right. if we flip it. Um, I think that's a potential game changer. Cool. Yes. That. Yes. Number three. What's number so, three? So, well, number two. So first is people. Second is shared experience. So shared experience is, uh, of course, when you bring people together at that, say you're going to the meeting, say you're, or even meeting online, it's the shared of experience of people identifying with somebody else. This is you saying you belong to a community. You belong to a tribe. These people are like you and you're going to be able to find support there and, and build that. So shared experience is very important because anybody who's been stuck in an elevator with, you know, a group of people for an extended period period of time, know that by the time you leave the elevator, you feel like, I don't know, should I send them a Christmas card? I feel like I know them so well. (laughs) And it's the shared experience, right? You don't have anything else there, but you have the shared experience. So adding that to uh, a community is really important. The third thing is when you have a shared purpose. And again, this is something where you may have your purpose statement, your mission. It may seem obvious to, to you because it stayed on the, on the website, but unless you're, you're, clarifying that you're you're sharing it you're clear your message is clear you're re- reinforcing it as you go along and it's really imbued in your communications um, you'd be surprised how many people might miss that I don't know the dissemination of knowledge in this particular science is really important or what have you so so really being clear about that shared purpose is important. And the shared purpose, especially these days, can change from what it was 50 years ago because, you know, industries are transforming dramatically. And so it might be in different in different uh, percentages of, of where that priority is for what 
what you're really focusing on for an organization. And so then we move on to resources. And that's your fourth component. That's the natural one. That's the one where when we started out as humans and we needed to band together because we weren't the strongest, we weren't, you know, the cougar was going to come and get us. But as a group, we could overcome, right? Resources is the thing that oftentimes brings people together. And that's the that's the tangible stuff. That's the, we're going to share our knowledge. We're going to share materials. We're going to share our harvest. We're going to share what have you. And uh, so resources is an obvious one. And then finally, you have trust. And trust is that magical element that is, you don't buy it. You can't buy it. You can buy a lot, but you can't buy that. And uh, trust is the more difficult one. But if you get it right, you know, we worry so much about about scaling and about failing fast, and all of this stuff, but some things take a little time to develop. You can fast track trust with new people, but unless it's a focus, too many of us are making shortcuts on our communication. Um, and I think that the result is people feel like they don't belong. The loyalty is lost. The benefits you get from building that relationship and taking the time to develop trust is gone. You're not investing in the bank of loyalty. You're not investing in building that relationship. And as a result, uh, because of that, just like in any relationship you build, if you haven't invested that time and energy, why would they invest the time and energy in supporting, protecting, or remembering you? So that is a, a perfect segue into something that I've been thinking a lot about, and that is um, the word hospitality. Yeah. And making people feel welcome. And I liken it to if you were inviting somebody into your home you would be thinking about what would make them happy, what kind of food and drink they like, what kind of little touches, uh, what kinds of things you can remember about them that would make them feel loved and valued. And I think in some ways, uh, because we're talking about things like scalability, I think we're missing the the people, the people. people yes. The, the hospitality. Yes. Um, Agree. Of this. So, um, you know. Agree. The, the South is well known for their hospitality. So how can we take that Southern hospitality and without sounding too cheesy, how can we take that into our organizations? I think, um, again, you hear a lot of people talking about empathy and, and maybe looking at it as trying to imagine that uh, they were in someone else's shoes. But really, we know that that's, that's not enough, right? That's, that's not the entirety of, of empathy. But what would be nice? You know, what would be nice? What would be an experience that would make someone feel welcome? What would be an experience that would make them feel like they belong? Uh, you know, it is fantastic. We are are living in such an amazing time where we're able to see, you know, these these I, I, my, my watch reminds me when to stand up. My watch reminds it like I have something that's reminding me to breathe deeply several times a day. That's sad that I need it, but I have one. But why is it then that we're battling so much social isolation that we have? Did you know that in the UK, they, um, they appointed last year, they appointed a minister of loneliness. That is someone's wow. actual title. That's depressing. And, and the problem isn't just in, you know, an aging population. The problem is in 
younger people too, because what they've been doing is they've been doing research where they uh, have found that where they would ask someone, um, you know, how many people do you feel that you're truly close to? And they would answer three people. Now the answer is down to one. And some pe- for some people, it's none. And, and these, are, these are people, we have more ability to connect with people now than ever before. So why is uh, social isolation and loneliness and suicide, why is all of this stuff increasing so dramatically? Um, I would say that it is the little touches. It is that human to human. You're talking about hospitality. And where do we see that? We are we are making shortcuts on the human side of things when what we have a proliferation of right now is tons and tons of wonderful technology and it's great and I love this stuff too. However, what's not great is if we start subtracting the human part of what makes life life, what makes it enjoyable, what makes it worth living. And if that sounds cheesy you know, there are people like suicide rates are up. It's not cheesy. It's life or death, you know. So I've always thought that one of the uh, the, the currencies that associations bring to the table is the connection. You are connecting one engineer to another, one dentist to another, one hygienist to another. Uh, and, and I kind of joke, but I'm not really joking when I say that misery loves company. <laughs> and one of the benefits of getting together with uh, people who do what you do is to say, here's what I really love about what I do. Here's what I'm so excited about. And maybe also, here's where I'm struggling a little bit. I think when we think about hospitality, I think yes. honesty is another great word to be thinking about is yes. be both honest and hospitable. And if we honest took those two words into a conversation around the board table, what might happen? I think it could be potentially transformative um, for our organizations here. Um, you know, there's a lot of communities that are competing with associations for members' time and attention. And we've talked a little bit, you know, about what that looks like. But what are, what are the most unique ways that you've seen associations capture member attention and or make connections in this highly connected world, but they're really, um, they're not deep connections. They're not lasting connections. Have you seen an association or two that has done this well? And if you don't have a specific case study, what would your advice be to some uh, association who's interested in doing so? Well, I, I have actually, I'll, I'll tell you that, um, an association I used to work directly for and then consulted for, but, um, I, they're not a current client right now is the optical society. They have done an amazing job of, I, I encourage anyone to check out what they're doing um, as far as uh, diversity and inclusion initiatives, um, reaching out globally partnerships. Uh, they have, you know, of course, like uh, many associations, like you mentioned, they have competitors, but they're figuring out really solid ways that are meaningful to collaborate with them and uh, move things forward. And I think that's so, it is so hard to do when, when you're looking at people competing or organizations or companies even competing for your members' time. 
But I think that what they're doing that is so positive that really works is that um, they, they're working past the ego. They're working past um, those we're the best in the business. They believe it. But, you know, what it is is they're still looking to innovate and think first of what will actually make a difference to their members. And that shouldn't be something that is unique but it feels like it. When I see what's coming out, there's so much just joy and energy out of out of the work that is coming uh, from the Optical Society. And so, um, and I'll just, I'll give a shout out. Um, so Chad Stark over there is doing an amazing, amazing job uh, just working on these different types of programs and sponsorships, finding partners in the business world to bring more opportunity into their members. You know, this isn't one of those once upon a time, you know, I, I would see, and I, I, I would bet that there are a few people out there who will recognize what I'm about to say. I used to see for different associations that, um, you know, you might have some really great programs, some really great sponsorships. You might have uh, all kinds of awards and stuff that were out there, grants, and you couldn't even get enough people to apply for them, to even be interested. Somehow, there is this, you know, sort of revival of interest. They're really making people feel heard and understood. And so I think when you when you can give people that sense that they belong, that this is an organization that truly cares and hears them and is thinking on their best interest. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to find a, a for-profit that's going to do as much of that. And so um, I think associations, there are some that are doing an amazing job and that focus on making people feel like they belong is a good place to start. So I think it's interesting as you were talking, uh, you know, and I, I'm uh, guilty of encouraging associations to be more business-like, mm -hmm. uh, but I mean in their, from their budgeting standpoint and having processes and systems and things like that. But the two words that were occurring to me as I listened to you talk was uh, be an association that's genuine yeah, and an association that's willing to be human mm -hmm. because that is the one thing that connects us is our humanity. So Kiki, thank you for that reminder. I uh, so appreciate the opportunity to be with you here today. This is Successful Associations Today. We appreciate you joining us. <music>